0: Going to get it behind the 18, one back. Come on, Kyle. Inside, inside. Up the racetrack they go. It looks like there was contact made. Not exactly what we wanted. Going to gather it up here. You got a tire? Flat left rear, flat. Right rear, have a cut in it, so it was. Yes, sir. And four.
1: And today, we will listen back to Texas and look ahead to Phoenix. The bottom line, you thought Miami was pressure for four drivers? Well, this weekend, it is all or nothing for a party of five. Hello, everyone. Welcome to NASCAR America. Chris Devota and Kyle Petty here at NBC Sports headquarters. Busy place here today. Lots of Olympic yes. planning going on. Uh, happy to report that Kyle has single-handedly taken care of curling.
2: <laughs> yes, I Winter have, Olympics. as a matter of fact.
1: We are also joined. No, 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 no different kind no, of curling. We're joined curling. from NBC Sorry. Charlotte by <laughs> Jeff Burton. And coming up later in the show, NBCSports.com's Nate Ryan. Uh, in five days... Five playoff drivers face one of the biggest races of their careers at Phoenix as they try to join Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. in the championship four. Greg Keselowski, who won the title in 2012, holds that last spot by 19 points over Denny Hamlin. Okay, Jeff, I want to hear from you on this. As a driver, what are the next few days like knowing you only have this one chance to basically keep your dream alive?
3: They're not good.
1: Uh, I
3: mean, mean, some people embrace it, you know what I mean? I think some people uh, really thrive under that pressure. But, you know, when I I think about Jimmy Johnson and probably Chase Elliott, uh, they just know their deal. They know they got. They most likely uh, they're going to need to go and win races. They're going to need to win Phoenix. And and if they can't, uh, then they're probably not going to make their way in unless something crazy happens. So for them, it's actually a little bit easier. I think it becomes a little bit harder to manage if you're Brad – Denny and Ryan, because, you know, you want Brad, if you, if if Denny and Ryan can catch Brad at a weak moment and go get really good stage points in the first stage, well, it's a whole new ball game. So for those guys, I think they go into the race without the have to win mentality. But, you know, the way this is shook out. And if you look at, you know, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick and Truex, they're all in. Well, you know, I wouldn't think Truex, that's not my pick to win the race this weekend. Harvick admittedly has said, that he's not as good, their car is not as good as good as Phoenix as it has been in the past. Kyle Busch certainly a contender to win, so I think quite possibly, if you think about it like that, that you might have to win this race to move into Phoenix, and, and I think that's going to have to kind of be the mindset of everybody, especially, except except for maybe Keselowski. If Keselowski has a good, strong, solid day and nobody else wins, then he can move forward.
2: Yeah, and and look, it's party of five, table for one, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think I agree with what Jeff just said. I think everybody has to go there thinking, I've got to win this race. I think even Brad has to go there thinking, I've got to win this race. And, and, you know, we hear Jeff talk, and and like he just said, if I look at, at Jimmy Johnson and I look at Chase Elliott, they've got to go there with one single focus, win. So it makes their job easy. They don't worry about points. They don't worry about stage points. They don't worry about anything but that last 10 or 15 laps, being in position to capitalize on somebody else's mistake or checking out on everybody. If you look at Denny, if I look at Blaney, uh, do they need to catch Brad in a weak situation? Yes, they do. Guess what? They had him in a weak situation at Texas, and they couldn't capitalize on it there. He scored no stage points. Brad didn't in the first segment or second segment. And Denny and, and Blaney still, both of those guys scored points, but they didn't score enough points except to knock 10 points off of that differential uh, that he had because he was up 29 going in. Uh, so I think when you look at it, it's tough. The guy that's inside that's holding that fourth position is the guy who's holding all the cards right now.
1: Okay, so let's talk about Denny Hamlin. Um, on paper, is he the one of the most of the five feeling the most pressure, Jeff, and why?
3: Well, I think he is, and I, I think it goes back to Martinsville. And, 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 you know, he was that far away from winning that race in Martinsville. We talk about, you know, whether he should have knocked uh, Chase Elliott out of the way and all that. We have all these conversations, but ultimately, he didn't win the race. And he was in position to win the race. And it makes me go back and think about the year that he had a, his best opportunity to win a championship. He went to Phoenix with a point lead. They had a problem late in the race that was not really his doing. But the, in the frustration level, you know, it you could see it in Denny Hamlin's face. He had a bad pit stop. You saw it in his reaction on pit road after and he went from like, going to Homestead with this huge advantage to having only a small advantage, and he never recovered. And, and, and I think that that still looms over him. I think that moment at, at, at Homestead, at that point in Denny's career, was a little bit too big for him. And that, that's not a negative. It, you know, not every professional athlete is ready to win championships at a given time in their career. I do think Denny Hamilton is ready now. But he's going to need to overcome what happened at Martinsville. He's going to need to put that behind him. And he's also going to have to perform at a high level. And if he does that, the confidence level going to Homestead will be out of the roof because he would have conquered this year. And he also would have put last year or the year of 2010, he would have put that in his past because he went to Phoenix this time and he overcame and he got himself to Homestead. And if that's the case, you better watch out for him
2: at Homestead because his confidence level will be through the roof. Yeah, and and I will say this. I disagree a little bit because I say if he hadn't put it behind him by now, he's never going to put it behind him. And I don't see him putting it behind him. I'm, I'm sorry. I see moments when Denny is one of the best race car drivers on the track. I see moments where it looks like his confidence is shaking. And this is all in one race or all in one season when you look at it. So I'm not sure... That, that going to Phoenix or going to Homestead, I think having a shot at the championship, yes, that's a boost. If he could make it to Homestead or make it to Miami, that would be a boost for him. But Denny has not shown to me, since he was right there on the cusp of that championship, that year he had, how he dominated, how he ran, the way he carried himself through the garage area, the things he said, and the way he did. And we saw a number of years ago. Look, in these press conferences, sometimes when you get to that final four guys that go into Miami— uh, his cage can be rattled, and it's been rattled before. He's got to be stronger mentally to overcome some of this stuff. He's got the equipment. He's got the opportunity. Can he capitalize on it? I'm not sure uh, that he can, and I'm not sure that he ever will be able to come back and be that confident guy that he was before.
3: Yeah, Kyle, it's interesting because I, you know I can look back at the year that I had my best chance. It was a couple, two years I had really good chances to win a championship, and I remember to the race, the tipping point. What happened that I didn't win, and I, I'll never forget those things. Yeah. As much as I want to move on and say, you know what, uh, you know, I had a great racing career and I'm very happy with what I did. I still think about those moments where oh, it was right there and it didn't happen. And and so for Denny, at this point in his career, you know, he's getting to the age where he's going. If if it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen soon. And and when I think about Joe Gibbs Racing and their flat track program. I know Denny said he doesn't feel that great about it, but if I go back and look, I'd feel pretty good driving a Gibbs car going to Phoenix. I, I just would feel pretty good about that. He has an opportunity to slay the dragon. And, and can he do it? Will they do it? I thought at Martinsville, the drive that he did when he had the problem and got in the back, he, he had the, the penalty, got in the back, he stayed in the lead lap, he drove his guts out to stay in the lead lap. I thought that was part of a championship drive. What he showed right there, the things he did right there, put him in position to have a chance to win the championship. Now he has to go execute on that. And if he does it, like I said, watch out Homestead. If he doesn't do it, I think it'll be moments in time that he looks at it and says, you know what? These were my best shots, and I just couldn't make it happen.
2: Yeah, and and listen, I agree with, with, just like Jeff said, there's moments you, you can identify them in hindsight. It's tough to be in the moment and identify them in the moment. Um, I I will never forget Alan Kowicki before he won the championship that year. We had a conversation, and he said, I may never have an opportunity again. I've got to do everything I can. This may be my only opportunity. The way it worked out in his life, it was his only opportunity. I, I think Denny can look back and say, I had that opportunity. I didn't capitalize on it. It didn't work out for me. I think the thing that happened at Martinsville with the 24 car of Chase Elliott and they booed him when that was over with, the home state boy, Martinsville winner, clock owner, all this stuff, and they booed him, it was a deer in headlights. It rattled him. Can he recover? He went to Texas and ran well. I'm not gonna say that he didn't. He went to Texas and ran well. But winning a championship and running well are two different things. He's gotta perform this weekend.
3: Yeah, Kyle, I think it's true. I think it's true that you have to lose some in order to win one, or to win some. And and. I just cannot, you know, I pick, I picked Denny Hamlin before it started to make it to Homestead because I believed that he and his team were, were were at the at their best right then. And I still feel like they're going to run better than the two car. I, I, I believe yeah. they're going to run better than the two. But what they're going to have to do is they can't have a problem on pit road. By the way, I think he's got the best pit crew on the ra- in, in racing, uh, and he's going to have to execute. I think he can't. I think this is a defining moment for Denny Hamlin. I think he can do it. But if he doesn't do it, again, moments in time that you look back on and say, you know, that was my shot. But I think think Denny has a real shot of
1: making it happen. Great discussion because in life, there's moments in time for everyone. But in sports, those moments are elevated because they're on a big stage with a really bright spotlight and a whole lot of eyes watching, which will happen this weekend in Phoenix. Well, coming up another day, another Dale Jr. moment. Dale Jr. picked his great eight, his best on-track moments. We will reveal another of his choices coming up. Plus, another reveal, NASCAR's next generation of power players. Max Siegel has done it again. We will introduce you to the future stars when we come back. Wednesday night is Rivalry Night. Two of the original six face off as the Bruins take on the Rangers in the world's most famous arena. Bruins-Rangers Wednesday at 8 Eastern on NBCSN. And now let's look back at one of the top moments of our season brought to you by Coca-Cola.
0: This is going to be the first stage win for Daniel Suarez in the 19, and he does hold Martin Truex off for the stage two victory. Well done. First year in the Monster Energy Cup Series, and he gets a stage win. Good work from the man who grabbed the Xfinity Series Championship last year. He's a nice guy too, and he's one heck of a
3: driver. It's been a dream come true this season, and uh, looking forward to, to the future.
1: Daniel Suarez scored the first stage win of his career en route to a third place finish in August at Watkins Glen, the Cup Series rookie, one of the biggest success stories from NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. Other notable alums, you see him there, include Kyle Larson, now one of NASCAR's elite drivers, and Bubba Wallace, who's heading to the Cup Series himself next season. And the reason we show you them is because earlier today, the six drivers selected for next year's Drive for Diversity program were revealed. They will compete in various series for Rev Racing. Last month, NASCAR and Rev Racing held the Drive for Diversity Combine in Florida. Hopefuls went through media and physical assessments at the Fune cookman University before hitting the track at New Smyrna Speedway. So let's show you the 2018 lineup led by Chase Cavery and Ruben Garcia from the K&N Pro Series East. They will return there next season joined by newcomer Ryan Vargas. Nick Sanchez will race... Late models, Ernie Francis Jr. will be a development driver as he transitions from sports cars. And completing the group, 13-year-old legends racer, Isabella Robusto. All right, let's bring in Nate Ryan. And Nate, these young drivers have to look at the guys like Suarez, Bubba, and Larson and think, wow, I can really yeah. make it.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know what? And there are some echoes in this class of those three names you just mentioned, specifically Daniel suarez Christa. He, of course, came out of the NASCAR Mexico Series. And Ruben Garcia, Jr., a guy that uh, some people at NASCAR are very excited about, he is on a very similar path to Daniel Suarez. He was the 2015 NASCAR Mexico champion. And I talked to some people at NASCAR today, and they feel as if without that base that they built down there in Mexico with that NASCAR Mexico Series – you don't see a Ruben Garcia or a Daniel Suarez come out of there and commit to racing in NASCAR. So, Garcia finished fifth in the Candy standings this year. Uh, he's third in the NASCAR Mexico standings going into this week's season finale in Mexico City. So, they're very excited about him. I also heard some good things about Ryan Vargas, who was the winner of the Wendell Scott Trailblazer Award uh, last year. Uh, NASCAR really likes his infectious personality, and they feel like it's matched by the fact he has a lot of ability. Uh, some of the other drivers are in this class. Um, Francis is a four time champion. in in the Trans Am series. Cabry uh, was sixth in the K&N series. This year is a runner-up in the Rookie of the Year standings. Um, He's expected to be a contender for wins in 2018. And then the other two uh, drivers, Sanchez and Robusto, are, of course, in more developmental series. But, Jeff, they're expected to do a lot here coming down the road.
3: Yeah, This is a really good program. And with my son running the K&N series this year, uh, had a chance to race with Chase and Ruben, and I got to watch them race quite a bit. And uh, they're they're very good race car drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both have led laps, both run in the front, uh, contended for some wins. So uh, they definitely have the ability. And it's it's a great program. It's a way you know for NASCAR to reach out to minority communities, give an opportunity to to you know to young men, young women uh, that they otherwise wouldn't have a shot. And it's okay. it's it's good to see that it's working.
2: Yeah, it, it is really good to see it working. And and. Being able to go to, and I will say this, being able to go to Mexico and do the Racing Roots episode we did with Daniel Suarez, it is amazing the impact that he has had um, on that trail that leads to NASCAR from Mexico. We went out to the go-kart tracks, and these kids just flock around Daniel. And they see one guy do it, and they say, I can do that, too. Uh, We talk about Isabella being 13. Janet Guthrie was in this sport back in the 70s and tore down that barrier a little bit and allowed Danica Patrick, and then so many others since that time. Wendell Scott was mentioned there, and Bubba Wallace will be getting his start. So I I truly believe, without the people that I mentioned, without the older drivers, the Wendell Scotts, the Janet Guthries, uh, the Daniel Suarez now, uh, that that road's not open. This is a great program, and I think it opens the door for not only drivers, but crew members and fans to follow down this road.
3: And Kyle, as, as times have changed, Uh, this diversity program, it's great to see a 13-year-old in there because that's where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. It needs to, you know, if you're going to identify people that have the ability, you're going to have to do it when they're 9, 10, 11, because it's a different world today. Kids are racing so much younger. So it's really good to see at 13 years old, someone being identified. That's, you know, if you're going to beat people, that have raced since they were seven, right. and you started when you were 15, you got your cut out for you. So I like the fact that they're looking young as well. I, I think that was a criticism
4: early on of diversity efforts. Say, if you go back two decades ago, that NASCAR may be focused too much on you know fully mature drivers as opposed to, you just said, Jeff. I, I think the focus in driver diversity the last 15 years has been finding them when they're in their teens or preteens, and as you say, getting them
3: with funding and good cars and getting them on that path early. The key is to get... Uh, more minorities in the sport is to get them when they're young. To you know, I've traveled with my son around. Uh, Kyle, you did the same with your son. You know, my son racing quarter midgets, doing things like that at eight or nine years old, and you don't see minorities at the racetracks like in, in the numbers that you need. So finding a way to go young is really the the future of this this program.
1: Yeah, and hats off to like we said, Max Eagle and Rev Racing yes. for making this happen. And like you said. The drivers, it gives them the opportunity. But Isabella goes to school with a bunch of other kids, and now they're going to watch to see how she's doing and get hooked on the sport as well. So really cool. Coming up, we will have the best radio chatter from what proved to be a critical day in this year's playoffs. Scan All Texas is next here on NASCAR America.
4: They love you there. I'm just I'm happy to finally get to victory Lane here it's it's been a
5: long time coming just really proud of everybody at Stuart Haas racing and our mobile one Ford but damn it's good to be in victory Lane here at Texas.
1: A memorable weekend for Kevin Harvick and what better way to end it than with the best father-son project ever Keelan helping his dad put his name on the wall of champions at Texas Motor Speedway. With not one but two drivers claiming a spot in the championship, last weekend's race had a big impact. Let's see and hear how it all played out in Scan All Texas.
0: A gorgeous afternoon in the Lone Star States. We are at Texas Motor Speedway. Only three races remain in the 2017 season.
3: All right, man, way different racetrack than last week, but the theme is the same. You moving forward all day and get up there where we need to be. Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate everything this weekend, all year. So, race
5: hard. Good luck. Thanks, all. Let's have us a good
0: day today. I'll see you down there in about three and a half hours. We'll get us a cowboy hat. Five, four, 500 miles from Texas. Green flags in the air. Kyle to our left. Your lane's moving great. Gonna get it by the 18. One back. Come on, Kyle. Inside, inside. Up the racetrack they go. It looks like there was contact made. Not exactly what we wanted. We're gonna gather it up here. We got a tire.
4: Flat left
0: rear. Flat. Right rear
3: have a cut in it. Know what it was? Yes, sir. And four. Pretty good honk missing out of the right front fender in front of the wheel. That's not gonna help your turn
6: stage one the car was pretty good it was too tight but uh had good speed kevin was really careful with uh, the racetrack being a little slick to begin with and kind of tiptoed into where he needed
0: to be out front now a new leader in texas it's the four of kevin harmick it's
6: like it's laying rubber in the second
0: groove is there anybody running up there not for long like Denny tried it a few laps and i think it'll by the end of the race it'll be okay
5: well, I felt like right from the beginning we had a good car. It's a very challenging racetrack because it's got a lot of grip uh, in the asphalt. Uh, the cars are very fast and you have two totally different ends of the racetrack that, you know, you have to treat and drive very differently. Coming
0: to the green checkers. In stage one, it's Kevin Harvick that will win at Texas. Three passes, two. All right. All righty. take a deep breath. Really nice job. That effort earlier paid off tremendously. Nice job. Nice recovery. Five, four, three, two, one, right here. Be ready to back him up here, guys, in case we can't get out? All oh, the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. You tell that, that, if he does that again, we're knocking him off the jack. The 11th spider's was just down here asking for help on pit road and stuff, but I thought what he got, what he got? They should have picked another pit They've just left Jimmy Johnson once again here in Texas. What's going on, man? I just about wrecked inside of him trying to hit the turn. So, goal is to not get crashed and not get lapped again. For. for stage two, it is Kyle Larson. Nice stage one there. Let's go get this last one.
6: How many laps in this race?
0: 3.34. We are about five laps past half, halfway.
6: Oh, jeez.
0: This race is long as hell. And I'll be honest, turn one and two, not a fan. I have a loose
2: wheel. Did you guys leave luck? That's off. i we're
0: good. I don't think so. We got a loose wheel.
3: This time, but this time.
0: And round goes the 34 in turn one. It ran me over. Yeah, on that's one. that was a hell of a save. I don't know how you did that.
1: Sorry, I'm being all negative Nancy out here, but it's not
3: a are you gonna need, You're going to need to bring it back to us here. What's wrong? There's a hat on the right front wheel spacer that's backed out, not letting the right front be tight. We saw it. So apparently
0: we had a control tire. That means we are got to go to the back. But we're going to be back there for the most part anyway, so it doesn't really
3: much matter. I can't even get through one or two anymore. I don't
0: know what happened. i on at 42. Something's happening there. He's just going straight. Kyle Larson is in big trouble. He gets loose into turn two. All right, we're done. Not sure
1: what
3: happened there. I think he wanted to talk about how <laughs> the car was, and he <laughs> corrected. Step 4 two weeks in a row. Watching Kevin Harvick right now
0: try to track down race leader Martin Truex Jr. All oh, good, little by little here.
5: 15 more to do it here. He had struggled, uh, you know, with some lap traffic, and I made up a bunch of ground. Now
0: he's within two car lengths. Big wobble there for the 78. The four of Harvick's going to take advantage of it. He goes to the outside for the lead.
5: He got loose going down in, into turn one, and, and the momentum of, of my car kind of took me up the lane. And I hit the throttle, and everything worked out okay uh, coming off of turn two.
0: Nine laps to go. Kevin Harvick out front. Idea how he did that? Uh, thank the dumbass a six for it, though. Nothing else behind you to worry about. You're clear. Hit your marks now. Hit your marks. Hit your marks. Hit your marks. Hit your marks. The one time you actually want Shrex to win. Kevin Harvick can check Texas off the windless tracks. He has won at Texas Motor Speedway. Come on down, Texas W, great job. Awesome. Awesome job on b Really good car. Burn them down, brother. What is the instead? He was way faster at the end. That's all I have. I guess some of the tires
5: off it will get we'll awesome. get over two First thing I want to do is thank all these fans in Texas. I'm just, I'm happy to finally get to Victor Lane here. It's, it's been a long time coming, just really proud of everybody at Stuart Haas Racing and our Mobile One Ford, but damn it's good to be in Victor Lane here in Texas.
1: Okay, a couple of things really stood out there, Kyle. I'm interested to hear if it was the same stuff that, that I kind of Look, raised my eyebrows on. There
2: were some hidden gems in uh-huh. that little piece of, 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 of video right there. I, I, I think the one, how many times have we er- ever heard Chad Gnauss tell Jimmy Johnson, our goal here is not to wreck and not get lapped again. My gosh, where has this team gone when you when you hear a statement like that? And then the 42 uh, with Chad Johnson and, and, and Kyle uh-huh. Larson. When he said, I guess it just drove so bad, he just went ahead and walled it. And somebody said, two weeks in a row. There's a little dissension right there to think of the year that that group has had so far.
1: Yeah, and we were in agreement, too, that 11 pit stall oh, was yeah. an interesting choice. Going on timing lines, maybe, instead of the, uh, the opening. Look, so, they
2: chose the pit stall. Yep, they you chose it the And qualified
1: well. So, all right, let's move on. Kevin Harvick, Martin Truix. they weren't the only ones we were talking about this weekend in Texas. Matt Kenseth gave Nate Ryan quite a headline so let's uh, bring in Nate. Nate, he told you uh, he will step aside from racing following the season. And you three, I mean, Jeff, Nate, Kyle, you guys are the perfect ones for this conversation. But, Nate, was there a quote he gave you that stood out? I mean, we talked about it all weekend, but we haven't talked to you yet, and you're the one who talked to him.
4: I think, Chris, it was, it was the quote I used in the headline, which is that I think it's just time to go do something else. And yeah, I think what was interesting, Jeff, in the, in the course of this, this uh, conversation for the NASCAR NBC podcast was he, of course, never used the word retirement. But – you know what it's like for a race car driver, especially one like this, who still feels like he can win, and who proves Sunday he can still lead laps. The reason I think he's not doing that, I think he—he's I mean, stepping away in 2018, and it's for an indefinite, you know, period of time. And I think that's as declarative or definitive statement as you're going to get to Matt Kenseth saying this is tantamount to him saying retirement. And the reason you're not hearing him say retirement is because, as he explained, it, there's only three reasons to say really you're retiring in NASCAR: one, to give your fan base a heads up. Two, because you want the attention. Or three, because you're trying to help your team in terms of filling a seat. And certainly we know in Matt Kenseth's case, number two doesn't apply. Number three, they filled his seat. So I, I think this was essentially just a way not to leave his fan base in the lurch and let them know, hey, just a few races left here to go.
3: Yeah, and he just doesn't see a pathway. I mean, his his pathway, you know, he just, he just doesn't see it. And, and you know, I think that rightfully so. Matt's got his feelings hurt a little bit. You know, he, he is... He's done, I would say, what, what Joe gibbs Racing hired him to do. Uh, he, he's done a nice job. He's still contending for wins. He's still doing those things, and there's not a place for him, and that's, that's a hard place for a guy like Matt Kenseth to be. Matt Kenseth has a lot of pride. He's very quiet, but he has a lot of pride. He does things the right way, and, and you cannot – there's no way not to take this personal. It, it's impossible. I think he's, he's, held, he's done a great job of saying the right things, doing the right things, but there's no way not to take something like this personal.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And as we see this graph here of, of all the guys who have retired recently or stepped out of a car recently, and let's, let me just put it that way, um, and, and will continue to in the next few years, he does take it personal. But in the end, it's a business decision that was out of his control, and that is the problem. I think in Nate's piece uh, that Matt, Matt said, I'd like to go out on my own accord, go out on the, with the way I want to go out. The way Dale Jr. has gone out, the way Tony Stewart's gone out, the way Jeff Gordon's gone out. They made the decision. They followed through with it. This was not Matt's decision. Matt made a decision to leave Roush and go to Joe Gibbs Racing. Joe Gibbs has Daniel Suarez and Eric Jones. And I would take Matt Kenseth over anybody for the next couple of years. But I'm going to take Daniel Suarez and Eric Jones for the next 15 or 20 years. I'm sorry. That's just the way the sport is. That's the way the game is played now it's a different model. I read an article from an AP reporter that wanted to put it all back on sponsorship. It's not any one thing. It's not any one issue. We're skewing drivers to a younger age. We just talked about Isabel, I can't remember her last name. She's 13, she's in the diversity program. We're talking about drivers that are past 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, somewhere in that range. So it's a different sport. And we're gonna get into this sport just like you get into other sports that players aren't allowed to dictate when they leave or when they come. It's the other kids that come along after them. The, the Joy Loganos, the Chase Elliott's, the Daniel Suarez, the Ryan Blaney's. These guys have so much talent, they're forcing other drivers out at a sooner time.
3: Kyle, I think that's exactly right. In that if you look, if you're a car owner and you start looking at the talent that is available, it makes it so that someone like Matt Kenseth is replaceable where he wasn't replaceable before. What's unique about this situation is that there's not a good ride that's in a transition. There's not a good ride that a car owner said, you know what, I know I'm hiring somebody in his 40s. I know he's not long-term. He is a short-term fix. He's gonna help my company short-term, which will, in return, help it long-term. He could build a program up to what it needs to be. Hendrick Motorsports, for example, a car that hasn't performed at the level it needs to, he could build that car up so that when that young driver was ready, he could step in. But now car owners and sponsors are willing to say, we know the young driver's not ready. We're willing to give up a few years while he gets ready. And that's the big difference. It's not that it's not opportunity for an older guy, it's that it's more of an opportunity for young guys to be put in a position not to have immediate success. And
4: I think, Jeff, that that was why Dale Jr. tweeted his support of Matt Kenseth because he really thought that Matt Kenseth would, would get a ride. He said it on the day at Kentucky that Matt Kenseth announced he wasn't returning to Joe Gibbs Racing. Dale Jr. thought for sure Matt would have a spot. And it's interesting to me that, you know as you mentioned, I mean, Hendrick Motorsports have... The William Byron uh, was then the five, going to be the uh, number 24 next year car. And Matt said in the podcast that he thought that might be the opportunity. And when that passed, he knew that it wasn't there for him. And it wasn't in the cards, as he put it. So uh, I think it's interesting to me also that a lot of discussion about kids and the other news that we broke on the podcast. And this was very, very uh, overlooked in, in terms of everything else. Matt Kenseth's wife, Katie, is expecting their fourth child next month. So, as he said, life actually might be busier away from the racetrack than at the racetrack. He's got a lot that he's going back to. He, he is going to be very
3: busy. <laughs> I still, I'm hard headed Kyle. You know how hard headed I am. <laughs> I still am not convinced that we're not going to see Matt Kenseth yes. in a race car next year. There's too much talent there. There's too much ability there. And, Kyle, strange things always happen in this yes. sport. We don't know what they are, uh, but... Strange things happen in this sport. And when you got a guy like Matt Kenseth with that much talent, if he's willing, if any opportunity presents itself for some kind of change, he
2: will be the first person that people call. Yeah, uh, everybody that follows this sport knows rule number one, never say never. Something may come up.
1: Well, I'm glad Nate brought up that tweet from Dale Earnhardt Jr. because it's sort of poetic, the fact that they're going to walk out of the the. The season together because they started the season together. Yes. A lot of people uh, may not realize they were rookie yes. uh, candidates uh, the same season, and it wasn't Dale Earnhardt Jr. who won Rookie of the Year. True, it was Matt Kenseth. So uh, their numbers or their 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 pathway, if you will, through the sport, um, not only have they been friends, but they've been on yes. so, sort of a, a similar path, a parallel as well. path. Yeah, and Jeff, you know that. I mean, you were teammates uh, with Matt for a long time.
3: Yeah, Matt listen, Matt's a Matt's a Hall of Famer in the story. Uh, he's a champion. Uh, he, he's won the big races, he has been a consistent force, uh, he, is, he is a Hall of Famer. We can compare Matt Kenseth and Dale Jr., the numbers, Matt Kenseth has better numbers, they both had a huge impact on the sport, they've both been successful drivers. I love it when we start comparing Hall of Famers, right? You're like, well, this guy's better than that guy, but they're both really, really good. But you know, Matt Kenseth is, I mean, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer, period, that's my opinion. All right. We're going to vote
1: for him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Matt, Matt Kenseth, 45 years old. Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, I think 43. So I think that kind of makes Jimmy Johnson now the old guy at the club.
2: If not dang close to being yeah. the old guy. So
1: coming up with his bid for an eighth Cup Series title on thin ice, what is Jimmy Johnson's mindset going into next week's elimination race at Phoenix and why he believes his team still has a strong chance? We will hear from Jimmy next.
0: So much on the line. You are pressure, Rick. This is pressure. Eight drivers will move on to start the round of eight. Martin Shrek's Jr. is going to win the first race of the playoffs. Kyle Bush will win. Yes, sir. Check it. Nothing is automatic in the playoffs. Kevin Harvick, he has won at Texas Motor Speedway. Drama at a peak level. I still know there's an open
1: door. Someone will power their way through. And speaking of power, this year's Randy Dorton Engine Builder Showdown began today at Hendrick Motorsports. Twelve members of the Hendrick Motorsports engine team paired with twelve technicians from Hendrick Automotive Group working together against the clock to build a race-ready engine. Molly, of course, crowns the Engine Builder of the Year at the end of the season. The event continues tomorrow morning, and you can watch it live at HendrickEngineBuilderShowdown.com. Meanwhile, Hendrick's own Jimmy Johnson will try to save his season with a win this Sunday at Phoenix. He spoke with Dave Burns.
5: So anytime you name an event after a really good friend who is highly competitive and highly technical, you've
6: got to be impressed. What do you take away from today's event? This event, you know, over the years has grown to be such a, an important part of the Hendrick culture, um, really automotive culture. And then to be named after Randy Dorton uh, makes us all smile and honor him. Uh, I'm still amazed, you know, when I see these guys put one of these engines together and you get that thing fired. I and mean, there's such excitement in the room. Just a fun, a fun program, and I'm glad there's so many people paying attention to it. Can they inspire you through Phoenix to Miami in the championship four? Yeah, yeah, we right. still we still have a chance. Um, that's uh, better than, than, you know, a lot of drivers yeah. that are out there, 32 others that wish they were in the playoffs still. So we have a chance. Granted, it's just one. We, we need to go in there and win. It's been a great track for us, and uh, we're not done. We still have plenty to prove. Were you able
5: to take Texas, which was kind of a bummer, and flip some things to your advantage? If you and Chad talked about it,
6: things that can be improved on and even help at Phoenix to get you forward? Honestly, there's, there's nothing from Texas to take to Phoenix, so we've just slammed the door on it, literally. It's okay, like, yeah. get out of here, can go imagine. away. Yeah. Uh, we'll get back to Texas in the spring when we have to address that and go back to that racetrack. Right now, it's all hands on deck for Phoenix, and we're doing anything and everything we can to take the best race car there. Um, the shop's energized. I'm energized. Uh, nothing in life has come easy for me, and I'm, I'm ready to work hard for this. You won there four times. It was obviously before they
5: flipped it. What did they take away from you, if anything, Jimmy, uh, in the new reconfiguration back in, what,
6: 2011? Yeah, the corners are different. Banking's a little bit different one and two, uh, but the most different aspect to it is just the the blacktop itself it was very porous a lot of tire wear and fall off which is a a type of track that's always suited me and and our race team um and now you know tires last a long time there's very little little tire fall off itself so uh you know we're all hopeful that uh, you know another long um another year has gone on with a, a lot of temperature in the area maybe the track started to break up a little bit and we'll have some tire wear well, we even talked
5: today amongst ourselves that it's a long time between the February race
6: and this race, so you're hopeful that even maybe that a little age on the track will help you? There's a chance. I mean, there definitely is. And, and as you point out, that that distance does open some doors, I mean, not only from the track, maybe evolving some, but also what we have uh, learned or not learned from a, a technical standpoint to apply to the race cars.
5: So you're saying from your seat, you can still see the possibility of that 8th championship? Until that door's shut, I'm believing. I'm going to fight as hard as I can. Sounds like the voice of a champion in a room full of champions today at Hendrick Motorsports.
1: It does, a lot of confidence. Up next, Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni joins us to debate who fills out the championship four in Miami. And would it be a systematic failure if Martin Truex Jr. doesn't capture the crown? That discussion is coming up.
0: NASCAR America is brought to you by Pro, like it never even happened.
1: Tomorrow, NASCAR America is live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame at 5 Eastern. And this week's special guest, Clint Boyer, one of the sport's most unique personalities. I think you could that's safe to say. That's safe. We'll discuss his first year with Stuart Haas, his racing roots, and more tomorrow at 5 Eastern. And we are revving up your Wednesday mornings with the help of Sirius XM. Catch NASCAR and NBC personalities every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Morning Drive with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistone on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. So let's welcome in Pete. Okay, three drivers locked into the playoffs. Your Sirius XM poll question, will Brad Keselowski be the final member of the championship four? Pete, what do you think?
7: I think yes, and most of the people that have voted, Chris, that think that Brad's got that 19-point advantage, he's going to be able to maintain that over Denny Hamlin. I look at it this way. I think everybody below that cut line, including Denny, because 19 points is a lot of points to make up. I think you got to throw the Hail Mary. If, if they can't win and have not seen really anything out of that group that thinks that they're going to be able to win at Phoenix, I think Brad just has to hold serve. He runs really well at uh, Phoenix, and I think after that comeback we saw at Texas, there's a little momentum on his side as well. So I think Brad's going to take that fourth spot at
2: Miami next yeah, week. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that. I, I think the, the performance that we saw last week in Texas from Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolf and the Penske organization was a championship caliber performance to come back and make something from nothing. Yes, they didn't garner any skate stage points in the first stage or the second, but they only lost 10 points overall to the competition. So that was huge to come out of there with that. And, and I don't see any of those other teams... Uh, as much as I would like to see Ryan Blaney or, or Chase Elliott pull it off and win and head to, to Miami, uh, I think it's Brad's to, to lose.
1: OK, that brings up a good point, because, Pete, I want to ask you what the listeners are saying, kind of the feedback. Kyle mentioned the young guys, Chase, Ryan. Yeah. Are your listeners sort of wanting a young driver to, to maybe bump Brad out or put themselves in the championship for
7: yeah, that's the feeling that I get, Krista. And I think it's a couple of things. One, the young drivers, as you mentioned. But I also just think that fans of any sport, this one in particular, want to see somebody new. Brad's been there. Brad's won a championship. Brad's that season. season right I think get a new face in there, either be Chase. And we saw how popular he was after what happened at Martinsville a couple of weeks ago. Or Ryan, I think a lot of our listeners would like to see that. But I hate to burst anybody's bubble because I'm I'm with Kyle. I'm going to go with that experience, what they did at Texas last week, I thought was what a championship team does in adversity. And I think it's going to be that two-car in Brad Kozlowski.
1: Okay, looking ahead to Homestead, Miami, if someone other than Truex wins the championship, did the system fail because the guy who won Uh. the most races and dominated the season didn't win the whole thing?
7: No, absolutely not. Now, look at you can look at this sport. How many years did we have a guy win the most races and not win the championship? Uh, Ten races were won by Jeff Gordon in 1996. Terry Labonte won, I think, two or three that year. Was he a lesser champion? Of course not. Uh, Ryan Blaney, or Ryan Newman, I should say, won eight races one year. And Matt Kenseth won one. Was he a lesser champion? No. This is how the system works, and I think it really worked even better this year, guys, because it rewarded both winning and consistency look at kyle larson i mean you have three dnfs in a row he had a great year but it's all about what you do in the playoffs nascar created a playoff system this is what happens in the playoffs you've got to shine on the biggest stage and if martin doesn't do that i feel bad for that team but it doesn't make whoever wins the championship any lesser of a champion.
2: yeah you know my father won the 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 championship under a number of different point systems and and ways of getting there the way we have now is a playoff system it builds excitement You've got 16, then you've got 12, then there's eight, then there's four. The final, you get to Homestead, you get to Miami, you go in, and it's winner-take-all. And there's no more pressure than a winner-take-all situation. I don't care whether you've won uh, 11 football games in a row. If you get to the Super Bowl and you lose, you're not the champion. And we've seen undefeated teams lose in other sports. Our system has always worked well, the way it is, as Pete said, there's guys who have won the most races and not been the champion. So listen, the champion is the champion is the champion.
1: Hey, okay. well, thank you very much. And Pete, by the way, the papers behind you on your desk, they look very orderly. <laughs> That's why I like checking in with you each week, because I get to see what's on thank your you. desk behind you.
7: <laughs> yeah, I, I, have, I have therapy for my OCD after we get done. Okay, here, so well, thanks, we don't want Chris. you to be late for
1: that. that. So thank you very much. And Pete and the gang, they're going to have Rick Allen uh, on the show tomorrow, uh, Wednesday morning. So thank you so much, Pete.
7: Always a, always a lot of fun. Thanks.
1: Coming up, we are going back to 1999 as we relive the greatest eight moments of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s career as chosen by Dale Jr. himself. NASCAR America continues after this. It's going to be one hot weekend in Phoenix. Start your weekend early with the Cardinals hosting the Seahawks when Thursday night football returns to NBC. And then the last races before the championship for both the Xfinity and NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series live from Phoenix. Wow, Phoenix is the place to be. The Xfinity Series at 3.30 Eastern on NBC. The Cup Series Sunday at 2.30 Eastern on NBC as well. Some news from today, the crew chief and spotter carousel taking a turn. Booty Barker will not return as Ty Dillon's crew chief next season at Germain Racing. He will stay on for the final two races of this year. Also, future Cup rookie William Byron has tweeted that he will have Tab Boyd as his spotter for 2018. Boyd is currently spotter for Joey Logano at Team Penske. On Sunday at Texas, Dale Earnhardt Jr. swapped helmets with Formula One star Daniel Ricciardo. Ricciardo, who drives the number three in F1, is a longtime fan of the Earnhardt family. We are continuing to bring you Dale Jr.'s eight greatest on-track moments, as chosen by Dale Jr. Now, yesterday, he picked his first Xfinity Series championship in 1998. Because we are revealing these in chronological order, today's moment is similar, but probably even more impressive. It's the time he went (laughs) back-to-back.
0: What a great race we've got in store for you today. Three young guns each hopeful of a championship. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the race leader trying to lock up the championship season. Dale Earnhardt Jr., the 1999 NASCAR Busch Series champion, he went out in fine style. Well, they got double donuts going on down here. He is the fourth driver to win back-to-back titles in the NASCAR Busch Series. Did you
3: ever think you'd be standing here today as two-time Busch International Champion I thought I'd be a champion, but I didn't think I'd be a two time champion.
2: I'm pretty proud of him. Uh,
3: hopefully, we can go on in and win the Cup and make things happen, too.
1: Okay, so I guess I'll get Jeff's take because uh, you <laughs> watched your son Harrison win a championship uh, this year. We heard Dale Sr. there talking about Dale Jr. So, no question, uh, it stands out for Dale Jr. because he's the one who picked that moment.
3: Well, yeah, that, that is a cool moment. And Kyle knows. Uh, doing things with your family uh, makes it that much more special. Uh, that Earnhardt name, that petty name, uh, do, doing that with a family. And then, you know, kind of the, you know, Dale Earnhardt right there saying, and hey, we'll go, we hope we can go cup <laughs> racing, right? I mean, no pressure. A little bit yeah. of pressure, but yeah. that was a cool moment.
4: Yeah. What stands out for me there, Jeff, is what Krista mentioned earlier the, the way that Dale Jr. and the Matt Kenseth career is kind of dovetailed. In both of those championships, I believe Dale Earnhardt Jr. finished ahead of Matt Kenseth both times in the point standings. They both went in the Cup in 2000. They both won in 2000. As Krista mentioned, Matt Kenseth won Rookie of the Year. That was really the dawn of the Young Guns moment, which until now was the last time there was a real youth movement in the NASCAR, uh, NASCAR's Premier Series.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what I like about that. It's the Bush Series. It's the Winston Cup Series. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, maybe we go to the Winston Cup and do good, like, like you said. But here's, it just doesn't seem that long ago. Right. It just does not seem that long ago that Junior went back-to-back uh, in what is now the Xfinity series and what he's done since that time, what he's been through on a personal level, uh, and what he will continue to do for this sport. And when he gets here to the NBC next year, uh, we're excited about that. But it's, it's pretty cool to be able to book in uh, his career and to be able to watch these moments.
1: And here's what uh, stood out to me listening to, to Nate. Nate's like, oh, like Krista said, Kenseth and Erna. But he, then he said, like, dovetail the careers. I think I said, you know, they were, like, together. Yeah. I wasn't quite as eloquent, yeah, he's eloquent. as Nate.
4: Not really. I just have you guys all fooled again. Big words with Nate. Yeah.
1: Big words with Nate. I know. Le, le mot
4: we... is what they call that, Krista. What's that? Le mot juste. Oh,
1: my. We looking for the yeah. le oh. yeah, That's well, that stuff
2: you
3: put on roast beef. <laughs> that's
1: what I was thinking.
3: You dip your roll in it. You... Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
1: I can think of no better way to end the show than with that. Thank you guys for joining us. The great insight from Charlotte. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget, tomorrow, we are joined by our special guest, Clint Boyer, live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. You know he's going to use big words. He'll, he'll probably talk about au jus instead of yeah, roast beef. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for all your NASCAR news, don't forget to log on at NBCSports.com slash NASCAR.